Hello and welcome. This is Cost Talk with Evan Kostman, and you are listening to episode 9. This week on the podcast, we have Zev Skolnick, a graduate from the Ivy program at Western, an IT consultant at Infotech, and a part-time musician. So we're going to start at the beginning. You're, you're a former Ivy student, a graduate from the program. Um, talk about what made you want to go into Ivy. So when I was a high school kid at Forest Hill, FHCI, everybody was kind of talking about going into business. And I actually, actually, I wanted to go into science. I really wanted to be a dentist because they got to travel a whole lot. And my dentist had these amazing photos of all these animals and whales that he'd seen, and I really liked that. Uh, and, you know, they make a ton of money. They do really well. And then I failed grade 12 bio. So, so that, on the right track. So on the right track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I had all the credentials to go to business school, and Queens didn't let me in. And so very sadly, I mm. wrote a killer essay. I thought I had the grades. Apparently not. Mm. Um, they didn't like something about me, and my brother went to Western, so I ended up, uh, I got early acceptance to Ivy, to Western, so I hopped over there. Nice. Um, what were you hoping to get, or what were you hoping to learn at Ivy? So, going to Ivy, a ton of that was obviously the network, just being around other business kids, and being immersed in that kind of an environment where everybody's going to be a business kid, everybody's obviously trying pretty hard and looking to embrace the business in uh, inside of yourself. <laughs> wow, that sounds nerdy as hell. Oh, um, it's a science kid talking right now. It's a, listen, no, I actually still keep up with a bit of the science. Oh, like, yeah? Every once in a while, I'll drop a biology fact. Oh, like, did you know that swans can be gay? Bio- I did not. That's biology for you. So, no, so still keep up with the science, still big fan of chemistry, physics, but business was where my mind was at, my dad was in business, and so I wanted to keep that up a little bit. What did I want to get out of Ivy? I wanted a sweet job, I wanted to hang out with some cool new friends, I made a ton of good new buddies, uh, and I like to think that I got a pretty good gig out of it. No, for sure, it's, it sets you up well. So what were the expectations versus reality? Was there a culture shock or anything within it? So Ivy gets a pretty good rap for everybody being a douchebag. Yeah. I Out of the 600 kids that were there, there were maybe three or four big D-bags. No, everybody was super friendly, super mm. genuine. Uh, I, I was also kind of told that people would be ripping at each other to try and get to the top to get the best grades, uh, like holding back information. My section, they couldn't have been more like a family. Like, it was incredible. People were always so open to have other people over at their houses. We were cooking meals for each other. Mm. And everybody was just trying to put everybody else a little bit higher to get those better grades to kind of further education. So it was a way better experience than I even thought that it was going to be. That's funny. That's the exact opposite of what Adam told us on episode three, where he was in law school now, Adam Wilson, and sure. he... Uh, they're all fighting for each other. There's people you don't trust in the program somewhat, and that's awesome to hear that not every program's like that. That's really nice stuff. And also, I think Adam Wilson is my cousin. Oh, well, there you go. I'm staying in the family then. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So how did you change your approach from like pre-IV to in IV? What did you have to change to adapt? So pre-IV, you're, just to give a little bit of context, you go to Western for your first two years, and then you're in the Ivy program for the latter two years, for years three and four. So in those first two years, I was taking all the, you have to maintain an 80% average. So 
I was just taking the easiest courses that I possibly could. In my sophomore year, I actually transferred over to Huron, it's even easier, um, and just to get all those grades kind of boosted up. And I, I wasn't trying particularly hard. I mean, I was putting in those all-nighters uh, on occasion, but it was really just every once in a while going to the library, but mostly pretty easy stuff. In Ivy, uh, Definitely a ton of times where I was there until four in the morning studying. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with a group of people, which is great because everybody's in this. Uh, what else do I have to do to adapt? You just gotta really manage your time a whole lot better mm -hmm. and make sure that you're keeping up with everybody. Do you think being in Ivy prepared you for the real world? Do you think it did an accurate job in that? Yeah, absolutely. I. I majorly, majorly respect the Ivy education. I think they do a fantastic job of prepping you. At least when you see all your other friends kind of going for it and you have to, again, keep up. Uh, yeah, I, I really wouldn't change a thing. I'm really happy uh, how they kind of prepared me and how I think I kind of turned out one year out of the, uh, out of the door. No, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, so now you are an IT consultant for which firm, sorry? I'm a, I'm a professional nerd for Infotech. Awesome. So what is it that you do being a professional nerd? So it's a little bit confusing, but essentially I write and present research in the IT space. So for instance, a client will call me up, they'll say, hey, uh, I need help with an IT strategy or the business doesn't under, they don't want to talk to me. They'll fly me in and I'll, or they'll call me up and I'll help them kind of walk through an IT strategy or get a seat at the table for the business. Mm. Uh, what has surprised you so far within it? It's amazing to me that I've talked to, I've, I've talked to a whole bunch of like Fortune 500, Fortune 10 companies. Jeez. And to me it's amazing that they're letting somebody who's one year out the gate talk to these kind of clients. And what's even more amazing is that these clients, a lot of the time, most of the time, they really appreciate kind of what I have to say. Oh. And to me, that makes no sense. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything. Evan. It's uh, it's amazing. And these people have thirty years of experience. They've yeah. been doing this for years and years. They're unbelievable at their jobs. They're running these companies, and they're talking to some putts a year out of out of undergrad. Well, Ivy clearly prepared you properly, or or at least they think it did. <laughs> at yeah, least they think it did. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, if this isn't an Ivy propaganda piece, I don't know what <laughs> Do you think Ivy, the networking there that happened, prepared you to network with these bigwigs and not to call them bigwigs? <laughs> no, not in particular. Ivy networking, they pull, they, they call them networking sessions, and they would pull a company like, say, Bell. Mm. Um, they would come, give a quick presentation, talk about how fantastic they are and why you want to come work for them. And then you would go outside, eat a couple chicken satays, maybe grab a beer, and then you would, it would be like 10 to 1. They, they would have a rep for the company, and then 10 Ivy Keeners just trying to get in a question, grab a business card, and, and then that was kind of it. And you're always asking, it's, it's 10 on 1, you're asking the same generic questions. It's hmm. not, everyone knows it's just kind of a stupid game, so I stopped going to those after a while. I, I get it, and if you can actually cultivate a relationship after that, it makes sense, mm. but that very rarely ever happened. Okay. Um, so I, I like to think I'm all right at networking now, and again, I'm meeting some amazing people, but people I work with are absolutely incredible, 
and my Ivy friends that went to all these really amazing places, uh, the huge banks, consulting firms, startups, whatever, like just keeping in touch with them has been awesome. So talk about some of the places that the job has actually taken you to. So, so far, my first workshop was in California. And so I got flown out to LA, stayed there for a week, which was really nice. I uh, was doing some of the stuff in the education industry there. And they just needed to basically consolidate like 45 different IT systems. So we mm. helped them fix that, or at least start to fix that. I then spent another week just kind of exploring LA and then running around Silicon Valley. That was on my own. Uh, they've also sent me to Detroit, beautiful Detroit, mm. <laughs> lots of fun. There are good parts. Let's let's give credit to Detroit. It is I, actually listen. I didn't get shot. That's that's an improvement. That was huge. Yeah. I was so happy. <laughs> um, so yeah, and yeah, Detroit was okay. And then I was, I just came back from Montana. They have it's unbelievable. They have the best air ever. I've been all over the world. The air in Montana is incredible. It just tastes better. It tastes better. It makes you feel better. No one has asthma there. At all. It's crazy. I think it's the mountains. You think it's the mountains? Yeah. So, I mean, people in BC, mm. apparently they can their air and people in China just buy it. And so, they should do that in Montana too. You should you should start that business. There's your <laughs> million dollar idea I, right there. I'm telling you, it's a good idea. This is, it's being copyrighted right now. So yeah. Don't, uh, Before this is released. Before, okay, yeah. right. Let's take a quick break from the interview with Zev to remind you to please rate and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. If you subscribe, you will never miss an episode. And if you leave a rating, it really helps the ranking and success of the podcast. Everyone who has taken the time to do so already, I want to thank each and every one of you individually. You have all been fantastic and it really means a lot. I'm also excited to announce that I have launched the YouTube channel for Cost Talk. We're going to look into doing some video segments in the future, so be on the lookout for that. Finally, if you want to get in touch with us, you could give us a follow on Twitter or a like on Facebook under the username Costalk. Zev is a part-time musician. Whenever we have a guest with a musical background come on the podcast, when we start talking about their music and their craft, we're going to call the segment Stairway to Evan. So in your spare time, you like to find hobbies, as we all do. I do enjoy a good hobby every once in a while. But if you haven't noticed, and to quote yourself, you, you may have a little bit of a list. I, I do. Some would call it an impediment. Some would call it an impediment. And, and you uh, chose to <laughs> actually call your stage name impediment because of it. That I absolutely did. So talk about impediment. Talk about your album, uh, Thunder and Lightning. <laughs> so... I was at Way Home volunteering one year, and I was there picking up garbage, but we would actually just take off the garbage shirts and then go, go and enjoy the concert. I recommend that to anybody mm-hmm. who wants to do that kind of thing. It was tons of fun. Um, at, one, at one point, they were having a freestyle rap contest, and it was for, it was for VIP tickets for next year's. Mm. And those are expensive. Those are worth, uh, like... I think five, six hundred bucks each. Yeah. So it was this newsletter called Exclaim, great little newsletter about music. And so yeah, they were holding a freestyle rap contest. My buddy Mason, who I was with, comes running. I wasn't at the booth. He comes running out. Zeb, they're having a freestyle rap contest. I like to freestyle rap every once in a while. I was a small white Jewish kid. As we all do, yeah. As we all do, right? (laughs) And he says, they're holding the freestyle rap thing. You have to come and do this. Mm. So I said, okay, fine. I can do that. Uh, so I go. 
I, I do my rap. The the guy's like getting really into it. The guy's name is King Rain, mm. like serious, like tattooed dude. Um, and they release a video. It's hilarious. Like three months later, I end up winning. And I needed I needed a rap name, and I didn't know what my rap name was. So we were talking about it over at dinner one night, me, my brother, and my parents. And Zale, my brother, says, "Well, it'd be pretty funny if you just called yourself Impediment." And I said, "Oh, yeah, that would be pretty funny." And I just kind of ran with it. So now that's that's the name. So you've gone from freestyle rapping to what you're doing now. How would you how would you classify your genre? So it's I've been trying to classify myself for a little bit, not to sound too hipster. I'd probably put myself at alternative folk. It's it's on the rocky, folky kind of side of thing. Uh, I only have a couple of songs out right now, no rap at the moment, but I'm hoping that at least a couple of songs on Thunder and Lightning on the album will have me rapping. Who are your musical influences? So, I, I listen across genre pretty much. Uh, a big one, just being a white Jewish rapper, I mean, Little Dicky, definitely up there. Uh, oh, the Arkellos are absolutely huge for me. I love them. Uh, July Talks, too. Just listening to them a ton and trying to incorporate a little bit of their sound. And whenever they bring horns, like, I love that. And they, they just got some really good rhythm, you know? Mm. And just trying to put that into my music. Okay. Now, is the fact that they have multiple people versus one guy, does that make that a little harder that you're trying to replicate it? Yeah. Oh, it makes it way tougher. <laughs> um, especially because, again, I don't... I, I have a piano background. I played that for probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at piano. I've been playing guitar for around, uh, I don't know, seven years now. Again, I know how to play chords. I know how to <laughs> solo a little bit. I'm not, I can fake it, but I'm mm-hmm. not very good. The Arkells, uh, even a little Dicky, like they're all really, really good at their instruments mm. and whatever they're doing. And so it, it definitely makes it pretty tough. But it's a learning experience. Do you think you're spreading yourself a little thin doing all these uh, these various instruments? Oh, 100%. But <laughs> I'm not exactly putting in the time to make myself. Having a job is makes that hard, right? I mean, having a job makes it tough. It, actually, it also lets me, not that I'm putting food on the table, um... Having a job definitely takes up a whole lot of the time, and it's it's just a matter of forcing myself to practice and to play and to get on the streets and hang out with people. Mm. Um, Because obviously, the more that you play, the more that you understand who your audience is, uh, the more you understand what kind of sound you're trying to make, what you're going for, Mm -hmm. and the more that you're kind of encouraged to keep on making music. One of the really tough things is that one of the first songs I put out, White Caps, that one got, I think, like six or 700 views on YouTube, mm. which, like, awesome, really pumped me up. I was expecting maybe 35 views, maybe my closest friends watching it once or twice. Mm. Um, got a ton, which was awesome. My second song got maybe around half that, three or 400, uh, and then it completely teetered <laughs> off. You're at, I mean, like 70, 100 views. So that's, you know, not exactly what you want to be seeing. But it's still, you know, got to keep making something until somebody's, uh, until it gets shared a couple of times and people actually like it. Mm-hmm. As one song hits, some people come check out the rest of them. That's, that's all I'm praying for. If it makes you feel any better, your worst song probably has tracked as good as my best uh, episode. So, <laughs> again, please remember to rate and subscribe. We really, really need it. We're dying over here. <laughs>
I will. I will rate and subscribe oh. when, uh, after this interview. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were you hoping to get out of this? I mean, the, listen. The dream is to absolutely start touring. The I would love. I'm first kind of baby steps. I've actually been playing open mics. I've been playing supermarket mm. uh, Barn Kensington every Sunday. Oh, nice. Which anybody that's interested, come check it out. Amazing musicians. I've actually been busking a little bit, which has been a ton of fun. Mm. And so I have made a couple of bucks here and there. Nice. Uh, I mean, the dream is, so right now I just have my home studio, yeah. which is just a microphone, an interface, uh, an excessive amount of guitars, uh, and my keyboard and saxophone too. So a whole bunch of instruments that I'm pretty mediocre at. <laughs> but it's been... It's been a really good time kind of learning how to record and produce and do all that stuff on my own. It's not easy in the least bit, especially because I have no idea how to use any of my equipment or any of the software that I've got. But it's it's a really kind of a cool journey. And then you meet a whole bunch of people who are going through the exact same thing. Like on the street, I'll be walking through Kensington, I'll be talking to the buskers who are doing it. And they come out with a CD, a couple of people buy the CD, they buy recording time. Then they pay some random schlub off the street to mix it for them. Then they keep building themselves up. Eventually they get a record deal. Oh my God, you have Mick Jagger. So yeah, ton of open mics. That's always a good time. I'd love to like play an hour and a half, two hour show somewhere. Got to get a little bit better at guitar, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, if I could go on tour at some point, I think that'd be amazing. No, that'd honestly be awesome. See, as a friend, we'd all love to support you in that way. We'd all come to the Toronto show, that's for sure. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, listen, Horseshoe Tavern, 10 buck cover. I think that's reasonable. <laughs> it is, yeah. Alright, to end every episode, I have my guest ask the next guest a question. It builds a little continuity. Sure, the yeah. question represents the person, I think, because it can be silly, it can be serious, whatever. Okay. So your question from last week comes from my former principal, Steve Simicalis. Steven Simicalis? Steve Simicalis. Steve Simicalis. Yes. How do you spell Simicalis? T S I. It starts K- with a T? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Okay. Um, so your question from Steve is uh, <laughs> What century will the Leafs win a cup? What century will the Leafs win a cup? My guess was this one, but you can have your own. I mean, I don't I don't know if we're gonna win. Like we actually we've been last century we definitely won a cup. Yeah, no, that happened. I would I would be surprised if we didn't win this century, but I'm I'm gonna just to be pessimistic. Just to be pessimistic, and so that way, if we don't, I, I'm gonna say next century, mm-hmm. and that way, if we do this century, I'm gonna be that much more excited. Mm. And, and if we don't, then you've got this cover on the podcast. You said it wasn't gonna be this one, and you can always prove that. Right. That yeah. you know what? That's actually good proof. I'm gonna hold on to this for a long time. <laughs> I hope what's this going to the cloud. Yeah, no, it goes uh, to iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, oh, SoundCloud, YouTube, everywhere you want to listen to this, you can listen to this. Okay, dude, that's phenomenal, that's yeah. great. So, do you have a question for our next guest? Yeah, okay, we were talking a whole lot about business, we were talking a little bit about music. Uh, to the next guest, to that mystery guest, you beautiful, beautiful person. So we were talking about business, we were talking about money. Who would you rather manage your money? Let's go, uh, what do you think, Fetty Wap? Versus, I don't know, who's just like another weird, or, or Weird Al Yankovic. Ooh. Yeah, Fetty Wap or Weird Al Yankovic, who would you rather manage your money in, in retirement? When and they're why, reti- and why? Yes, that's a very crucial question. Right. But 
is this them managing it so you can retire or once you're retired this is how you make more money that's a good question actually no this you're you have retired you're looking to live comfortably you've never been with a financial advisor before okay and your only two options to be responsible for the rest of your days for you having enough cash to live on yeah to go hop over to Florida and hang out by a pool. Mm-hmm. You have the choices between Fetty Wap and Weird Al. I'm very excited to hear my next guest question. I hope they are as serious as we are and they take this question as seriously as <laughs> I do. <laughs> they, what do you mean? This is a serious question. These are the hard headed questions. This is the heart of Costock <laughs> at its finest. We're going to learn a lot, actually, from this. It, you just wait. All right, Zev, uh, <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. I, I appreciate it very much. The, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, seriously. Good luck with the music and 